This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. putting an anchor in the Word of God. We're not anchoring to Jesus Christ. We're anchoring to the things of the world, to our life, to our careers and everything. God has to work around your career, your world, and you're neglecting Jesus Christ. You're drifting away. This is a warning for all of us. The right includes himself. I include myself. I have no choice but to do what I'm doing. This is the only thing God trusts me with. <laughs> I don't think God would trust me with anything else. Eddie, you need to be studying all the time because you get in trouble. Are you anchored in the Word of God today? Do you spend time soaking in His presence? The truth is, it's easy for us to drift away. We allow other things to take precedence over our relationship with Christ. We might even think to ourselves, it's only for a season. But there are no off-seasons for following Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Eddie is going to remind you and invite you to spend more time in the Word getting yourself anchored. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. As he continues his message, do not neglect salvation. I did the Christian dance, I spoke Christian needs. You know, I did all the things, right? But you know what, Lord? I don't believe this anymore. Yeah, I've been drifting away, and, and I, found some, I found another God. You think God's going to say, oh, no, sorry, you're with me. You don't have a free will if that's the case. People would say, well, and here's their reasoning. Because I spoke with some people, really, they love the Lord, they're solid, Bible degrees, all kinds of stuff. And I asked them the question, simple question. What if one accepts Jesus Christ? Been baptized, been, and all of a sudden became a satanic priest. You know what the answer I got? God's going to kill him. Okay, can you, first of all, that's really not the grace of God. You know, I think God would try it as long as, you know, there's times where God would give up, just like, um, you remember Pharaoh? Where it says God hardened his heart the first time he hardened his heart. Pharaoh over and over, and then God confirmed it. When it's, it looks like, well, God hardened his heart. That's why, no, God confirmed his heart from the very beginning. He said he knew that he wasn't going to change. They're just people. It's, it's the facts. Some people will not accept Christ. God's not going to force. He, okay, you, you made your, your decision. You made your point. And so they'll say, well, they were never saved to begin with. And you know that because... How do you know that? Externally, I can pretty much tell somebody's a Christian or not. But still, even with that, I don't know. For example, perfect example, what did Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23? Just write it down. Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. He didn't say, those are saved, that's say born again. No, does the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That's a credible gift. 
Cast out demons in your name. Wow. Resumes looking really good. Better than yours and mine. All of us put together. And had done many wonders in your name. Wow. I think that person should go to heaven. But what did Jesus say in verse 23? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. It says this, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He says, The Lord knows. The Lord knows those who are his. Who knows? God knows. God knows. I hate to mention a name, but we knew of a, a great apologist. Well-known, wrote many, many books. Spoken at universities. And at his death, his life just was exposed. We'll be surprised who's going to be in heaven. That atheist that you think would never come to Christ would probably be in heaven. Because in his last breath, he repented of his sin and accepted Jesus Christ, Lord, a personal Savior. The man of the cross, perfect. I, I'm so grateful. God already knew he planned it just to show that if a man on the cross dying his last breath, say, Jesus, remember me. He's talking to a man that's hanging on the cross, considered curse. A man that never went to church. A man that probably never called on God. A man that was never baptized. Jesus said, for this day, you and me shall be in paradise. We're going to be surprised. So the once saved, always saved is a dangerous terminology phrase. When someone says that, understand, yeah, based on Jesus, Jesus is faithful. He's going to keep me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. But I can leave him. Read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. It talks about Israel, 9, Israel past, 10, Israel's present, and 11 is future. And there Paul talks about Israel, and he said that we're grafted in. You remember we're grafted in? The tree is Israel. And we, Gentiles, are the wild olive trees. We're being grafted in. That's great. But what this Paul says, yeah, you Gentiles are being grafted in. Do not be hoardy. Uh, be careful, because what's holding you the root? But just as some branches was cut off because of unbelief, so can you. Read, uh, read what Christ talked about to abide in the vine, John chapter 15. So it's a dangerous to think that, okay, he said the sinner's prayer, and he can live his life as he pleases. I think that is a danger. So it's a scary thing. There is warnings in the Bible and drifting away is one of them. Drifting away, again, is a drifting. It starts off with a little process. When it, This is why we have spiritual problems in our relationship. This is why we're up and down. We're like a seesaw. We're like a tumbleweed. We're just, wherever the wind blows us, you have no root. We go to the shore. We, get, we go into the ocean, try to surf. You come back. You, you, can't, you can't stay. Because why? We have it anchored into the Lord. We have it anchored to Christ and to his word. We neglect his word. We neglect prayer. We neglect devotional time. We neglect our time of worship. We neglect the gathering of the saints. What happens? We start to drift away. It's a warning. The Bible is filled with warning. Because if it's the secure, as some would say, the once saved or saved taught, then why do we heed the warnings? 
What are their warnings? As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is the most important chapter for the church because God gives a report card of all these seven churches. And these are the things we need to look at because he's coming. And then at the end of all those churches to the church of Ephesus, Sardis, Philadelphia, right? What does he say? He who overcomes. He's giving a warning. Get things right. Repent. Go back to where you came from. You have left your, left your first love. Why is all that written? If it doesn't matter, God could have just wrote one book, maybe one chapter, maybe five verses, says, you're secure. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. Don't mock God. Don't be deceived. Work out your salvation with fear and tremble because if it's the security that they talk about, the one saved always saved, then why do we have to take care with fear and tremble? Saints, don't be deceived. This is why we're studying the Word of God. I got two more hours, just kidding. They started the grill. We're going to get going. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord? The law, the very words Jesus Christ, Jesus himself spoke. You know, we had the angels bringing the oracle laws and there were messengers. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Isaiah 55 verse 11 so shall my word be, be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. And at the end of verse 3, he says, and was confirmed to us by those who heard. So we had the angels, we had Christ, and then we had those who heard. And based on this study, we can find that the writer is pretty much confirming that he's not a first-generation Christian because he heard and we're talking about, this book was written about 67 AD to about 69 AD. So he heard it from the apostles. He heard it from the disciples and maybe others who have came to Christ. So the word was spoken through the angels. Salvation came from the Lord. It was spoken by the Lord. It was confirmed by those who were around him. And it's confirmed. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 12, John writes this. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. You don't need any miracles or anything like that. You have it. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Simple. Simple. He goes on in verse 4. He says, God also bury witness. So now the father's coming to bear witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles so we have the angels with the oracles of god we have salvation spoken of by christ himself we have those who witness have heard him now we have god the father the father also bears witness of the son and he did it by many signs wonders and miracles as a matter of fact jesus did many miracles during his earthly ministry that john when he wrote his gospel at the very end, the very last chapter, the very last verse, 
This is what he writes. John chapter 21, verse 25. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that were written. Amen. That would be read. So, all the miracles Jesus did. The important ones are there. God inspired the gospel writers to write the important ones because they had a message. There was a purpose. Jesus performed miracles, wonders, gave many signs. Jesus, but he does it because of the Father. Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 19, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Also at the end of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16 verse 20, he writes this, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying Signs. So Jesus did signs. The disciples did signs in their day. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5 says, For our gospel did not come to you by word, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, but also in power in the Holy Spirit. You see, signs, miracles, and wonders were used so much during the early church, during the life of Christ and even after that. Because understand, they didn't have the New Testament at that time. And it it confirmed who Jesus was. Now, a sign is something that indicates or expresses the existence of something else, not immediately apparent or direct. Wonder, a wonder is something that makes you wonder, that captures your attention. And this is what Jesus did with miracles, not to just show off. Today we have Christians, evangelists, TV evangelists, oh, I'm going to do a miracle. God's going to, listen, put your hand down. All the miracles Jesus needed to confirm who he was was already done. Now, the question is, does God still give us miracles today? Absolutely. But read it for homework. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. There, Paul tells us that the resurrection of Christ confirms the gospel. That is all we need. All we need is the gospel. All we need is the cross. And I mentioned this last week. I don't need a miracle. I don't look for miracles. If it happens, good. Praise the Lord. But I don't need a miracle for me to believe in God. I believe him is belief. You know, like Thomas told told the disciples, disciples say, hey, hey, Thomas, you should have been here. We board up the windows and doors and poof, Jesus just appeared. They say, ah, until I see him. To my hands touch his wounds. And then there it is, Jesus, poof, again. He appeared, he said, he said, Thomas, you believe because you see. And I love that verse. I love Thomas. I'm going to hug him when I get to heaven. Because what Jesus said afterwards is a blessing for you and I today. Jesus said, blessed are, you know, it says, Thomas, you believe because you see. But blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Were you there 2,000 years ago at the cross? Were you there to witness the empty tomb? No, you believe, and it's changed your life. And that's a miracle in itself. You know, we get people say, well, your church has no miracles. Are you kidding me? We got people's lives changing. You know what it is for a heart to change? 
We're all, we want to feel good. We want to be better. Listen, you're going to have a glorified body in heaven. I understand. But you're going to have a glorified body when you get to heaven. I don't need a miracle. The miracle is that lives are being changed. You're drawing nearer to God. Your body, your soul is prepared to be in the presence of the Lord. That in itself is a miracle. Chuck Smith, you know, his testimony before he went to school, seminary, he wanted to be a doctor and he was praying. I thank God he did pray and I thank God God answered him. He said, you know, you want to be a doctor to heal people temporarily. But let's bring life and heal people for eternity. That's a miracle. That's the church I want to be a part of where lives are being changed, where those who don't know Jesus, two people, there's only two people, those who don't know Jesus, they need to know Jesus, and those that do know Jesus to grow in their faith and grow in the word and learn sound doctrine. Those that are the that's two people, save or not save. And those are the people that I want to see. That's the miracle there. And I've seen it here. Many of you, I've, I've shared this with you. I'm amazed at what God has done in your life. I'm amazed to see how you, when you first came and here you are, you're glowing. Jesus is all over you. And people are coming to church because of you. That's a miracle. God also bearing witness both in signs and wonders, verse 4, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The gift according to his will is according to God's will. You can't demand it as the prosperity preachers and teachers and TV evangelists, the name it and shake it, blab it and grab it, you know, people. You can't demand God to give you a gift. Have you ever asked somebody, you better give me a gift. <laughs> you understand that? You can't demand anyone for a gift. A gift is given. Every single one of you who accepted Jesus Christ given a gift or gifts. And it is according to the Holy Spirit and what he feels he needs to give you. Now, many of you are already starting. You already know your gifts because you're working and, and you've seen the fruit of your ministry because you're, 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 you're serving the Lord and you're serving the church and you're working in your gifts. I'm amazed by the people that serve here. Judy and I talk about all the time. I can't believe how they do what they do and they're so faithful, committed. And we know it's all because of Jesus. They have these gifts, and God gives gifts. And you don't know what your gift is? That's because you have neglected fellowship. You have not been serving to know those gifts, to know where you are, what God has. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says, but, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. As God wills. You can't buy it. You can't work it out. You can't go to school for it. That school of prophecy, really? Read your Bible. You don't have to go to school. Oh, I, I feel like I want to go to prophet. I'm going to go to prof, prophecy university. That's a, I should start school like that. You can't go to school for your gifts. It's given to you by the Lord. So here the writer is giving us warnings. Do not. How can we escape so great a salvation? Don't drift away. It happens. Before you know it. You know the, 
the study of science, you know, I don't believe in, I love animals, but I, I, I didn't try this experiment, but if you put a frog into a pot, it's nice and cold, and you know, okay, yeah, ribbit, ribbit, right, ribbit, put up the heat, ribbit, ribbit, put it a little higher, doesn't realize, ribbit, get out of there, ribbit, and it, it's flat, it dies, it boils, doesn't realize, hey, it's getting hot in here, let me get out of here, doesn't realize, because it's, it's caught up, the Eskimos, when they would, when they would, when they would um, hunt for wolves, they would take a knife, and, and, you know, Dip it in blood, let it freeze. Dip it in another layer of blood, let it freeze. Dip it in blood and let it freeze. They do layers of blood, you know, that just wrapped around this knife until you don't see the knife anymore. They put the knife right on the ground. And the wolves would come and start licking the, the blood off the knife and keep blood, and licking and licking and licking. And until what happens? Until they lick to the berry blade and die. Or the monkey trap. The monkey trap, this is how they used to catch monkeys. Now, I don't catch monkeys this way. I don't think I'm around monkeys. I don't like monkey soup either. But this is what they would do to catch a monkey. They would get a coconut, make a little hole, and they'll throw either rice or marble in it. In the, in the coconut, they tie the coconut to a rope or chain, and they wait for the monkey to come. Monkey looks inside the coconut. Ooh, rice. Puts his hand here. His hand is filled with rice. They make the hole enough where his hand can go in empty. In order to get the hand out, you need to not have anything in your hand. They grab the rice. Now they can't let go. They're trapped. They don't let go. They pull that coconut in. And he's like, let go of the rice. (laughs) You see? And the way we look at how man used these traps to capture animals the same way the enemy does for the Christian. We're not putting an anchor in the word of God. We're not anchoring to Jesus Christ. We're anchored to the things of the world, to our life, to our careers and everything. God has to work around your career, your world, and you're neglecting Jesus Christ. You're drifting away. This is a warning for all of us. The writer includes himself. I include myself. I have no choice but to do what I'm doing. This is the only thing God trusts me with. <laughs> I don't think God would trust me with anything else. Eddie, you need to be studying all the time because you get in trouble. I know that's how God works with me. But this is a warning from the word of God. Our salvation is a great salvation. It was purchased with a great price, with the blood of Jesus. How can we neglect such a beautiful way of salvation to have eternal life, not suffer through eternal damnation? Amen. Anchor your life into Jesus. Anchor yourself into the word. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. 
The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.